Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers! Hi everybody, I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy, and this is 51 First Dates, a podcast where we talk about dating, specifically joined by our dater, Carlin. Carlin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Always obsessed when you're here. You, you, Liza, I'm obsessed when you're here too, but you know. Um, But it's more novel when Carlin is here. Exactly. (laughs) It's just, it's a fun trifecta and I feel honored to be a part of it. I also feel honored that all of you are are listening in your ears to our voices. Um, We are so appreciative for all of the lovely support and likes and subscribes and reviews. They mean the world. If you you want to go leave one right now, just press pause and do it. That would be lovely. Uh, And just generally, yeah, thanks for supporting us. Thanks for supporting our our newsletter, our precious gems. I'm doing it. I'm doing the business. We're going for Plug it. Uh, it. <laughs> it's very nice when, you know, I basically use it as my diary each week. Well, Liza has been crushing it for me. I haven't done one in a while. I did one this week. I used it as a diary. And then I got really nice notes from some of you. So shout out to all of you for letting me do that. And now I will stop, you know, monopolizing this intro. Hi, guys. What are we talking about today? We are talking about, we're actually, okay, so we're doing an episode today that we've been wanting to do for a really long time, and it's kind of sensitive and vulnerable and tough to talk about, but we're going to do a topic about body image and how body image affects dating and how that sucks and is hard and how we've all struggled with it in different ways and yeah I I truly like it's something that I feel like the three of us have talked about a lot offline and now we're like oh we should like do an episode about this um so we're gonna do that and it may be sad but also hopefully it's helpful (laughs) I don't don't know if that was not a good pitch for this episode (laughs) no okay I think you know and Carlin I'd also love to to hear your take. My thought is kind of when I asked if, if anyone had questions on Instagram, I was like, hey, obviously we are not experts on anything, not even dating. Definitely not bodies. <laughs> uh, we've all definitely been guilty of uh, – well, actually, Carlin, I, I don't know that you've done this on the podcast, but I Probably. feel like I've been – I've said things about my own body on this podcast that are not great. Uh, I've talked about, you know, Liza and I have talked to you about eating disorders. So I just want to preface this all with this is not about like we're, we can't fix anything for sure and we're not going to try to. But when we talk about the questions you sent in or body image and dating, I hope this feels like kind of um, – 
a, a safe space, my God, um, but a place to commiserate or just like have the feelings with, you know, the people you listen to us in your ears because I know for me some of my struggles are um, – I don't know, made easier when I know I'm not alone. That said, if you are dealing with disordered eating, um, we're not doctors or therapists. So this is a trigger warning. We will do a consumption corner before we get into all of it. So just wanted to throw that out there. But Carlin, how are how do you feel about talking about this topic? I'm so pumped. I mean, not because it's like, oh, I feel great about my body. And like, you know, I just want to help you guys out and help you feel better. <laughs> no, um, but I think some of my consumption corner has like been around body image and I've just been like thinking about it a lot. And so I think it's just, I'm, I, before we got on today, I've made a promise to myself that I was going to be super vulnerable, like on the podcast today and get like very honest about some of like recent thoughts that have come up, like with dating and like going out on dates most recently. Um, So I'm just like ready to commit to that and more so just to, and not because, right, because we're not doctors and I don't expect expect anyone to fix me, but I think part of body image being a problem is that, like, the rhetoric around it is just so piss poor. Um, so if this is a step in the right direction, then let's do it. I love that. I'm going to commit to vulnerability now because you did. Great. Copy. Since you guys are going to do it, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> no, I'm just going <laughs> to be like, wow, that must be really hard for you. No, I'm just kidding. I, I mean... Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's going to be, it's funny. It's going to be an episode that like, I, uh, I'm like, oh, I hope no one I know listens to this. Cause I'm going to like say a bunch of really personal shit, but also I hope they do because this is something that like, yeah, a lot of us don't talk about, um, with the people who are close to us. It's like, we hold this kind of shame internally and expect for it to somehow resolve itself. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to echo Kimmy's trigger warning. Um, if you are struggling with disordered eating, if you're in active recovery for an eating disorder, like I would say probably skip this episode. Um, we wanted to just give you a resource. Uh, the National Eating Disorders Association, or NIDA, has a helpline. They have a text crisis helpline, and they have like an online chat tool. Um, they have a ton of resources online that just can help you figure out if you suffer from disordered eating, uh, and you can visit that. Well, you can visit them at nationaleatingdisorders.org. We'll link that below as well. But I just wanted to say, yeah, maybe go ahead over there um, instead of like listening listening to us. Because it's as someone who suffered from disordered eating, it like consuming content about it is often um, triggering and, and for me could send me into uh, like like darker places and and pretty unhealthy habits so I just wanted to like give that shout out even though Kimmy already did it and I'm just doing it longer that is my <laughs> role on this podcast no, not at all you just wanted to make sure I got the, the the website out there before we started anyway consumption real quick who wants to go first I'll go first because I have a really good one. Oh my gosh, you better all be watching Hacks on HBO Max as soon as possible. It's with Gene Smart. It's so darn good. Uh, I think I feel like they're dropping two episodes every Thursday. Uh, I don't want to even give you too much other than it's a, about um, like a legendary female comedian and then a younger woman who is canceled on Twitter who ends up working for her there's no spoilers in that just go watch it it's so good if you're watching Mare of Easttown you'll get a double dose of Gene Smart and then also just have to shout out uh my other consumption has been Z-Way and Real Housewives of New York and Z-Way's on Showtime 
Get yourself a free trial. Watch it, please. There's also the latest cast member of Real Housewives of New York was on Z-Way. She interviews Ebony, and I, I really enjoyed it. And just shout out to, to I really like my content right now. I think you should all watch it. I am I have been like really, really meaning to watch both of those shows in a very big way, especially because Carlin, I don't know if you knew this, but Z-Way went to Northwestern. She's like much younger than us. Whoa. But I'm like, cool. oh shit, she's a, yeah. Carlin and I both went to Northwestern, met there, et cetera. Um, but I just feel like, fuck yeah. Uh, I've probably already said on this podcast that she went to the same school as me, which is an annoying <laughs> thing. I'm sorry, it's annoying, but I just think it's cool and like lady comedian, cool people. Um, so, so you're all smart and brilliant women and it makes all of the sense in the world that you went to the same school. Oh, stop. that's way too generous. I would like to work so for her and generous. she's fully like, didn't even overlap with me there <laughs> for like seven years older or something okay so i'm gonna go next only because while you're on showtime you should watch the thing that i'm about to recommend which is the second season of couples therapy my favorite show Ooh. of all time it's back it's so fucking good i can't handle it carlin do you know this show no but i want to watch it Oh, it's, yes. It's unbelievable. It's like, I mean, everyone who, longtime listeners know I love Esther Perel, who has a podcast that's just real life couples therapy. And this show is just real life couples therapy. It's real people in therapy. You, there's like, this season so far, I've only watched, I've watched like half the season. There's three people or three couples. And you see a little bit of each of them in each episode. And they started filming pre-COVID and then did some episodes with remote therapy and then went back in person. So it's super interesting to me to see how these couples that were already in crisis reacted to COVID and how it, you know, the different facets it brought out of their relationship. I, I mean, this show is like, it's so, there's, there's, it's so simple. There's no music. There's no nothing. And it's just, I could watch it forever. It's so un, uh, endlessly interesting to me to watch like the very intricate dynamics of of people's relationships and um it, it, i'm i am spluttering because i love this show so much uh so i've been watching that and then i also watched have been watching um the uh a, alex gibney's new documentary called the crime of the century on hbo go which is about the oh, sackler yeah. family who are the manufacturers of oxycodone and mm. it's basically about how the opioid crisis is a gigantic like huge scale crime like actual prosecutable crime committed by these companies who knew exactly what they were doing and just were uh prioritizing profits over everything else and it's so angering and so um frustrating but it does feel kind of like I don't know it, it's hard to watch and obviously there's a lot of content about the opioid crisis but this I think examines just how problematic um, drug companies and the the hunger for profit is um, when people's health and lives are at risk. And it's been powerful and also, of course, very hard to watch. It's very informative. Yeah. I watched the first half. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well done. That's mine. I started – I feel like I should have started with Crime of the Century because it's like a bummer to be like, it's very, very hard to watch. Okay, Carlin, <laughs> you go. <laughs> I don't – mine's like not uplifting at all this – so I, because like body image stuff has been on my mind, I've just been watching uh, like YouTube videos. I watched uh, like an old show on Oprah's show own, like where Lisa Lean like goes to the South and 
is like invest- investigating obesity in young kid- kids and she follows like these two kids around and it was just so interesting and one he was four years old and weighed I think like 100 pounds and I think a four year old is usually like 50 pounds or something like that and just watching that which was super depressing and then there was another video that i was watching that was talking about like beauty standards and like how it's changed over time and it had like all these clips like you know newspaper clippings from the 50s about like you know how it went from like you know you should gain a pound you're like you're too skinny and just like how the conversation has changed so much and then how people are starting to wear corsets and everything and then like now with the kardashians and how everybody wants to go back to actually this ideal body shape like not really originating in like white women at all and like how that comes from like you know idolizing like other races and everything so that was been and it wasn't like really i mean it was depressing in the sense that like society is terrible um but it was just interesting um i don't know it was just i we can get into it more as we like get into the topic but that's that's actually been my consumption for the for the week mm Good one. Oh, I, I, I'm going to do one more really quick. I'm so sorry. Only because it sort of relates. I watched a documentary called Tiny Shoulders on Hulu. And it is about the process of redesigning Barbie's body. Remember like a couple of years ago, they yeah. released a bar- Barbies in different shapes. There was like curvy, tall, petite, and like original Barbie. Mm-hmm. And... um. I would say it's very pro Barbie. They, I mean, they interview like Gloria Steinem and Roxanne Gay and people who are like very much like anti Barbie. But I think that like I would guess Mattel was like a producer. Like they're they're mm. in with Mattel the whole time, and it does feel a little bit like Barbie propaganda. But at the same time, I just thought it was a really interesting like e- example. Like like the the thesis was kind of like Barbie reflects womanhood. Like she was designed to be this way that young girls could pretend to be things they couldn't be at the time like there was an astronaut barbie way 20 years before there was a female astronaut and barbie was always about careers what she was doing where she was going and also about materialism and looking perfect and all of these things and this documentary kind of just took a look at like how much is expected of women and how progress in feminism also is often tied to um beauty standards and how um so often like everything is expected of us to be beautiful and successful and this and that and um it it was it was really really interesting and just made me think a lot about how hard it is to be a woman (laughs) that's interesting because in one of the videos i was watching they were talking about like a 1950s or 1960s barbie it was like a sleepover barbie and it came like with a scale like you know she's sleeping over and like you know you should also weigh yourselves when you're all together and it was set at like a very specific i think it was like set at 130 like, 110 or one yeah um, yeah and it was just they one talked of those about things that. that i was like i just, just don't know why that needs to be included in the packaging that seems yeah. very strange yeah it was so interesting like i feel like barbie is this it's like such a microcosm of actual womanhood you know it's like two steps forward one step back one step forward two steps it's like there's these ways in which barbie was really progressive at the time and then it's also always been really backwards and really like bad for our psyches it's so it it was so it was just super interesting to me to think about barbie as like a reflection of womanhood the way barbie's sales changed when um the times were kind of changing like you can chart barbie sales to like the rise of second wave feminism like it's just re- it was super super something i just hadn't thought about and made me think a lot about feminism the patriarchy and body image segue 
I mean, as a segue to get into all of our topics, I think it's been interesting to just become an old woman, I guess, and <laughs> look back and see these documentaries of how, you know, Britney Spears was treated or, you know, specific to body. What was I watching? I was watching something about when Kim Kardashian was pregnant and people were comparing her to a couch and like, you know, someone who there's so many complexities around again, those bodies and the appropriation. And but I, I don't know, just it used to be so normal for uh, like really upsetting comments about bodies and the way women eat or the I have six almonds. Well, that was a little bit that was Obama. But before that, I remember <laughs> reading articles that were like, what are you what is your favorite celebrity eating a day? And it would be like, well. She has a tiny piece of salmon for lunch, okay, and six almonds and celery for dinner. Like, it, just all these things that felt so normal. I thought I was one day going to have to just do um, that I feel like are slowly melting lightly away. I don't know. I wanted to read this tweet that I enjoyed. It's no – this is not to say that – it's a tweet by um, CL Hubes on Twitter, Lucy Huber. She that said, if any Gen Z are wondering why every millennial woman has an eating disorder, it's because in the 2000s, the normal thing to say to a teenage girl was, when you think you feel hungry, you're actually thirsty. So just drink water and you'll be fine. And like, of course, that's not to say only millennial women have issues with disordered eating. But I read that the other day and just like screenshotted it because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm still reading this. And like, what's wrong with it? I, I should just drink water and I'll be fine. Like, it's just I just think we didn't know how bad some of the points of view on bodies and eating that were being fed to us, no pun intended, um, (laughs) were. Yeah. And I think for for the Zoomers out there, I mean, it's not like this magically disappeared, but we didn't have any examples of non-skinny bodies in our media. Like, not a one. There was sometimes like a token overweight friend on a teen show but mostly it was like every single person was not just skinny but like usually like no ass often like no boobs like tall you know like usually white blonde blonde. like it was bare 80s and 90s beauty standards were so so restrictive and like it is changing now. It's not better. I mean, there's like a, a ton of work to be done, but at least like there are examples now. <laughs> like you can point to celebrities and be like, oh, this person isn't like a size zero. And there's not enough. There's not enough representation in, in body diversity. But like it, it does seem to be trending in, in the right direction, although slowly. But I do think it, it's hard for people who are close enough to us to age to understand maybe why we're a little bit more fucked up about it. I think the interesting thing about that tweet is that to this day, and even this morning, I said this to myself, like, because I've heard that so much, I often will say, like, if I'm thinking about like eating, it's like, oh, I'm so hungry, thirsty. Like, that's what I say to myself. Wow. It's just like an automatic thing because it's like, oh, well, maybe I'm not hungry. Maybe I'm just thirsty. And to be fair, like dehydration, as Liza can attest to, mm-hmm. like is a thing and you, you should drink water. <laughs> but I think mm-hmm. the idea that like for me, I've said that to myself so much that I just automatically like just lump it in because it's like, ah, oh, maybe I'm maybe I'm not hungry. Maybe I'm just thirsty. So I just say it to myself all the time. So hungry, thirsty. Which it's is funny yeah. if we're being vulnerable today around lunchtime, I... I actually had a conversation with myself that was like, Kimmy, 
just like instead of eating an avocado toast, which is like what the food I have in my house and it's very healthy for you, why don't you just go walk and buy like a kombucha or something? Like I actively still had the conversation with myself of like, why don't you just go like drink a drink that will fill your stomach for a minute instead of eating? It's not great. It's yeah. really not great. I ate the toast. So that's <laughs> that's a win for me, eating bread more often. It's, it's fucking sad. No, it's true. We all, I mean, we also all were coming of age, becoming teenagers at a time when like Atkins and South Beach were really, you know, present. And there's a lot of stuff we've hung on to from that, like bread being bad. And but yeah, the also related to the tweet, like I think that so much of that whole idea of like you're not hungry, you're thirsty has also just led to so many people not being able to trust their bodies and like when I get a signal from my body, like my first impulse is often like, are you really hungry? And it's like, yeah, I haven't eaten in six hours. Like I'm hungry. It's time to eat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But it's it's like a scary thing because it can apply to so many other other things, not just about eating, but about health, about your your instincts about safety. You know, the the habits of like distrusting your own hunger are just I think can be really um, just really like nasty it can really lead to like a lot of distrust of yourself in general, I think. One more thing about the tweet is that there was a reply under it and that somebody was talking about, uh, like, I guess like the, uh, the 2000s fashions are coming back, like essentially low rise jeans. Somebody said something about like Gen Z, this is why we don't want to wear low rise jeans. Um, And then the thing about, I also watched a video about that today when people were talking about it and seeing the pictures and I was just like oh my gosh there's no way made well if you ever stop making high-waisted jeans I will riot (laughs) but the idea that so we were talking about like what we saw in the media like when we were growing up like at that time when it was just like rise jeans you would just see these like skinny skinny models of these long torsos and jeans like below the belly buttons and it would always be like a crop top thing it was never like where on earth was Ashley Graham? Like, I don't even know. But like, it was, that was, that was the look. And then it reminds me, do you guys remember when Jessica Simpson, like had, she was performing at a concert and she wore high-waisted jeans and she had like that leopard belt and like the media, like, crucified her they were talking everybody was like she's so fat like why did she do that and i was reading about that today she was a size four at the time like not that being a size 12 or 16 like would justify their comments but i remember hearing all of that and seeing like all the like the like cartoons drawn about her and like at the time i did not know that she was a size four and you would just you would just think that she was like this huge thing and seeing the pictures now and it's just like no, she's just wearing high-waisted jeans, which at the time was not a look whatsoever and, like, you know, a belt and a top t- tucked in. But, like, just because it didn't fit in with the image of the low-rise thing and, like, you could see her body, like, not being, like, super felt at the time. Like, you know, it's, like, some kind of crime that it wasn't, yeah. like, you know, washboard abs or, like, whatever they call it. Literally, like it's a moral fail failing. I still deal with that ne- yeah. now is that like the shape and size of my body is not a moral failure of of my of mine. That was the worst sentence I've ever said. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's so connected to our our um, there's such a like uh, skinny people like know how to control themselves and they're austere and they're together and they take care of themselves and like. 
not skinny people don't. And like, it, that's so, I that's so deeply internalized for me. And it makes it really hard to feel like I'm a, a decent person if I'm not like very skinny, which I have never been. And the thing to that, Liza, it's internalized in me too. But then when I think about my actual life, the times I was the skinniest were the times I was being like the least responsible about 100%. You know, and I, it's so frustrating. And again, I feel very hopeful that things are changing um, and it will be a process and Gen Z go get them. But Mm -hmm. it's the internalization of it all is so deep and I don't know what else is deeply something that I struggle so much to change the way I struggle to change my relationship with my body even like like it's it's my temper sometimes that's the only other thing I can think that's like it never goes all the way away I'm working on it true (laughs) yeah it's I mean it's relatable it's it's so we're we're all we've all been completely you know what's it called inducted into the cult of this um i'm going to share a couple statistics just to kind of transition a little bit into how these kind of feelings we have and the things we've been sharing have affected our dating lives um i'm going to share a few statistics and i'm sorry to be that fucking person um but here they are i have the the um references for these but I'm not gonna like cite them but I I did like make sure they were properly referenced and stuff so approximately 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies and resort to dieting to achieve their ideal body shape unfortunately only 5% of women naturally possess the type often portrayed by Americans in the media um Studies show that the more reality television a young girl watches the more likely she is to find appearance important Students, especially women who consume more mainstream media, place a greater importance on sexiness and overall appearance than those who did not consume as much. Uh, And this one is specifically about dating. 20% of women and 24% of men felt very or extremely satisfied with their body. Participants who were less satisfied with their bodies also reported feeling less satisfied with their romantic relationships, their friendships, and their lives overall. Um, And I just wanted to kind of like share those numbers because I think they're kind of particularly staggering. And the connection to feeling dissatisfied with your body and feeling dissatisfied with your romantic relationships is definitely something that I have always struggled with. And, um, you know, feeling like my body was only like I was only lovable if my body looked a certain way and often blaming my singleness on failures of my body shape. Um, But, yeah, I just wanted to, like, bring it into the dating realm. Do you guys want to? talk at all about like how these things have kind of affected your mindsets in dating i have a question that um is also from another youtube video that i watched um that it was a round table with a bunch of women talking about body image and one of the questions that they asked everyone was at what age did you feel like you weren't enough in regards to your body and i guess i'm curious what your guys's answers are i will share mine um i would say Probably eight or nine years old, which is incredibly young to feel not enough in your body. Um, She's not listening, but I will shout out my mother for that. (laughs) I think it's so Liza, when you said uh, like South Beach and Atkins diet, like, oh, my gosh, it just brought like I had been my mom put me on all of those diets. And I think there's something to be said for and I don't know if we'll get into this, but like obviously mindful eating and like 
healthy eating, like fueling your body is such an important topic that I'm only like just now learning. They do not teach you that in health class, surprisingly enough. I don't even know if they still have health class, but I think um, like when, when I'm watching like these documentaries about like the obesity problem in the United States, like I was, when I look back at pictures, I was never uh like 200 pounds as an eight-year-old like I don't even know what it would be but like the way that's the way that my mom treated me and that's how I felt like to the point that I would even think that I would look like that even though that's not like that's what I saw in the mirror but that's not what you would see in pictures or interacting with me um but it was just so interesting to like I remember going to like bringing my lunch and like having like an Atkins diet lunch. And I hated it. It was like a stupid chicken salad thing. And I fucking hate chicken salad to this day, <laughs> except the one at Whole Foods because it's bougie and has grapes in it. And it's great. <laughs> Sponsor us Whole Foods. Um, <laughs> but, and I just remember sitting there and I would never eat it. I remember like throwing it away and I would like always say, I would like actually like steal like two or three dollars from my mom's purse to like buy lunch. But anyway, so just like this idea of not in the fucking third grade, like just to like think about your. And at that point, I'm not even thinking about my body. I'm just thinking about me because like I don't like at eight years old, I'm not thinking about like my thighs or anything. I'm just hearing from my mother and my family that I'm not enough in this way, but I'm not given the tools to like not be that way. I don't know. It's just. I guess just the idea and I just what I like about that question in like a twisted way, it's like, why should we ever be felt or be made to feel like we're not enough? And then to pinpoint the age. And I think a lot of women can. And in this video, some a lot of these women are saying single digits, like it can start that early. Like nobody said like, you know, oh, when I was 35, like it was all (laughs) when they were very young. So anyways, I'm just curious if you're willing to share what it would be for you guys. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and it's funny because it's almost hard to remember a time when I didn't feel negatively about my body. I I mean, I think for me, it got really bad. This is a, I I always had, um, insecurities about not being pretty. I, I never thought I was pretty. I always thought I was kind of like homely and, and, um, but that that was more like I wanted to be one of the pretty girls and I just wasn't. Like I thought you kind of in elementary school knew who the pretty girls were and it wasn't me. And um, but when my when I hit puberty in in around like I hit puberty really in like seventh grade, but I remember between seventh and eighth grade, I literally went from being completely flat chested, like pretty like like kind of skinny and gawky to having like massive boobs in a a manner of months like I had to go to physical therapy because like my back muscles were too weak for me to like hold my my new goddamn titties up (laughs) and I also gained a lot of weight like 50 pounds or something in a really short amount of time and it was because I was just like filling out like I my I was like group boobs and hips and I'm I'm very curvy and will always be but I just was like, my legs were covered with stretch marks. My boobs had stretch marks and they were so big and I felt so uncomfortable having them. And my back hurt all the time. And I just remember feeling like my body is disgusting. Like I, I literally found my own physical self vile. And it was something that didn't go away for a really long time. And even sometimes still, I look in the mirror and I'm like, you're disgusting. 
too much. I'm so sad. <laughs> this is making me really sad. <laughs> it's a really oh, fucking God. depressing thing to get into the topic yeah. of. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible to hear Carlin's experience. Uh, Kimmy, I'm sure we're... <laughs> I mean, it's like... It's wild, though, because you can almost reliably know that basically almost every woman feels this way. Even women who who we would look at and be like, oh, my God, your body's great. You know? It's like... Mm-hmm. It doesn't even... It's not even... It doesn't even go away for people who are who have quote unquote like the ideal body you know yeah I don't know Kimmy, was, what about you yeah mine was definitely single digits Carlin probably eight or nine as well I this is I have two 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 memories the first uh I did ballet from a time when I was really little. Yes, ballet here we go um, <laughs> at a very like professional school where there were some people who were, even though I started when I was like four, like they were looking for people to go to like the Boston Ballet or whatever it was. Um, so I was always short, um, always knew I wasn't like the ballerina tall ladies. And especially as we got up, you know, when we weren't four. But I remember specifically my ballet teacher saying that always when I was little to stick my ducktail in, my always a little bum. And then also specifically, I think it's, you know, I this was only a one-time thing, but like my ballet teacher being like, you should really do some sit-ups before you come into ballet class, like to, to be holding in my stomach. So that feels dark. At the time, it didn't feel dark, but now I can pinpoint it. And then kind of separately, I have this memory, I don't, I don't know, of like the first time I was like sitting in shorts in a car and seeing my thigh expand on like the seat and it driving me insane. Like seeing the the fat of your thigh, very normal, but maybe, you know, when I, I don't know. I just have this memory and being like angry at it and being like, mom, why does my thigh do this? And her being like, that's what legs do when you put them. Like that's just how, like this, well, what, whatever. Some part of science works and... uh yeah, and it's insane. I there are pictures of me from when I was a little little ballerina, and yeah, I was I was always shorter, and I wasn't like tall and that that skinny, but I was pretty skinny as a kid, or like a thin little kid, and it's really upsetting that I, you know, because I danced until I was thirteen, so I always just felt like the stubby, shrimpy, like chunky one. And again, even if even if I was any other size, that wouldn't matter. But I think, like, Carlin, you made the same point. It wouldn't be okay no matter what because that just shouldn't matter. And ballet is really tricky for many reasons. But we were kids. I think it's more just the stark, like, difference between what I remember kind of thinking about my body in my head at the time and then looking at photos now and being like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I do that with things, like, from, you know, earlier in my 20s when I was, like, really – forcing myself to look a certain way and thought I was, you know, the the dysmorphia is real, I guess, at every age. Yeah. It's so wild that people feel like it's just okay to comment on little children's bodies. More for girls, but I think that boys experience this too. I mean, it's... Yeah. That's something I also, when I was pulling some of those statistics, noticed like a lot of times men feel as insecure and dislike their bodies as much as we do mm-hmm. and probably have the opportunity to talk about it less. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. It's it's really um, shocking how much we all 
deep down like think our bodies are wrong. I have a another example because as you were talking, Liza, I think an important part of it is like also puberty, which is like just like the definition that like your body is supposed to change, but like depending on the environment, but also like society, like you just get told that like you know oh that's bad but there's things that you like cannot control because like also as someone that has big boobs and like didn't like as you were saying like all the stretch marks I remember being like as a kid just thinking just feeling so bad about it but like at the same time there were like people my friends around me that were also going through puberty but had completely different bodies so it showed in different ways and like the specific memory I had is or have is in the fifth grade you know when they would do those scoliosis tests and you would like bend over oh great well you all know I wonder if they do because so I remember so it was like wear your swimsuit and like come in and they do uh two kids at a time Lauren Schneider if you're out there she was she was in the room (laughs) with me and I wore like a like a bikini top swimsuit because that's just like what I had but at the time I was like not wearing bras regular I was like probably past like the training bra point but just the weirdness like between my mom like not helping me (laughs) as a young girl and blossoming like it just wasn't you know any anyway so I'm sure it looked like you know like I I remember taking off my shirt and like the the woman that was doing the test like Lauren Schneider had like this, she was, she was tall and very skinny. She had like that ballerina kind of body. And the administrator, the person I was administering his chest was like, that's a beautiful one suit, Lauren. And I took off my shirt and she was like, a bikini. And I could tell like on her face that it was like a reaction to my <sighs> body. But in that moment, cause like up until that point, my mom, the way that she had talked about my boobs or breasts or whatever, she was saying like, oh, well, the reason that they're like that is because you weigh too much and it's the fat from your back coming forward, which first of all, physically is incorrect. So I'm not fat on my back. I'm just fat in the front. I think that's just boobs, mom. And also genetically, it's your fault. But anyway, and so, but like, I could see the reactions on their faces that it was like, oh, this girl's body doesn't look right or that it's too much. It's too womanly for a 10 year old, something that I don't have control over and maybe enhanced by like a bikini top that might've been too small, like, you know, whatever the case, but because I saw that look on their faces, I turned and said to Lauren, I was like, please don't tell anybody. It's the fat from my back and I can't do anything about it. Like, please oh, don't tell God. anyone. Isn't that terrible? Oh my God. That's <laughs> and so like, heartbreaking. And I remember like taking off the swimsuit cause I would wear like big t-shirts at the time because like I wasn't having like my mom wasn't having like the bra conversation with me and I remember like walking back to class and just feeling like I was like something's wrong something's wrong it shouldn't be that way but I just remember the fact that I god I just remember that so well and like how terrible that was anyway it's it's (sighs) such a horrible again people who feel the the like they can comment on young people's bodies even compliments it it, like I have a friend I think I may have talked about this in the podcast before but I have a friend who went to Quaker camp in like she went to like a super Quaker camp did I tell you this yes and I was like oh take me back I don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was just when we were like chatting yeah I think you were just chatting but like she this camp was extremely crunchy and this was you know would have been in the 90s so I don't think it would be allowed today (laughs) but basically they went skinny dipping every single day and it was campers who were like 10 to 
16 or something. So there were people in all different oh stages God. of puberty with every every different body type and the counselors would skinny dip. It was all women. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no. I'm, now no, I'm okay. like your conservative It sounds like, shocking. Terrifying. It was okay. literally but- all, it was all, all women though. No, I don't know. And it was optional. You didn't have right. to skinny dip, but like she was basically like the counselors did and she just basically felt like oh, everyone's body is different and unique. And it, she just has that. She, I, I talk about this because she has one of the healthiest body images of any adult woman I know. And I mm. asked her about it once. And she was like, it's because of this camp. And the other thing they they do, which I have a couple times tepidly tried to introduce with my friends as adults, but then I've been too scared, is they had a policy called no body talk, which means you're not allowed mm. to talk about your body at all. Even if you're saying your hair looks pretty today or I like your shirt. There's no body talk like that was completely not allowed. And if other people did it, they were encouraged to be like no body talk and to like gently remind each other. And so the whole summer, this whole camp of girls, she went there for like her whole childhood would not talk at all about each other's physical appearances or what they were wearing. It was just not allowed. And like the power of she basically talked about the power of that when she was going through adolescence. And I think she had some similar experiences that we all did with our with our, you know, families and similar outside pressures she's the exact same age as all of us she also had a a mom who I think encouraged dieting and and dieted a lot and somehow this like positive experience and the experience of being around so many different female bodies in different stages of development really like imprinted on her and she has an un she uh, truly I mean the, the healthiest relationship to eating I've ever seen as an adult and it's just shocking to me because you realize like just a little bit of the right input can go so far and so few of us have that. Wow, it is such a good point. I love no body talk because I am so fucked up about my body that even now if there's not a comment, you know the one time you like, you know, maybe – like lost weight for whatever reason. So someone says, oh, you look so skinny, you know, and then the next time you see them, you know, two years later, that's not happening or, you know, mm-hmm. you just the absence of those compliments ends up being, I just like, I level up, right? So no one's saying anything mean to me anymore, maybe, or commenting my body in a bad way, but I'm like, where's the the good comment? I don't, it's, it's all dark. How do you all feel about taking a quick break and then coming back and getting into the the dating part of it? Pro. Pro, Yes. Like, We'll Real quick ad break, probably for therapy, <laughs> and then and then we will be back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back for body talk. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Really, really. I think that's the name of Katie Storino's book that's coming out soon. Go pre-order that. She was Ooh. one of our first guests, and she's a great follow on this topic. If you don't follow Katie Storino on Instagram, I'm going to shout her out right now. I re- I, I'm having a vision of the book she's been promoting and I think it's called Body Talk so let's all pre-order it anyway she's so unbelievably cool like everything uh she's like what I want to be in terms of confidence and (laughs) yes Uh. really inspiring but Uh. Carlin 
Yes, I wanted to start off with a quote uh, for everyone. By It's about prettiness, prettiness and it's by Aaron McKean. And I read it the other day and I thought it was very interesting. Uh, all right. You don't owe prettiness to anyone, not to your boyfriend, spouse, or partner, not to your coworkers, especially not to random men on the street. You don't owe it to your mother. You don't owe it to your children. You don't owe it to civilization in general. Prettiest, prettiness is not a rent you pay for occupying a space marked female. And I thought mm. that was really powerful because I think about that all the time, even when I'm just walking down the street, like, oh, do I look pretty? Or, oh, does this outfit yeah. look okay? Just even there may not even be anybody on the street. Do I look pretty for this building? Do I look pretty enough yeah. to be walking on this sidewalk? Yeah. I don't owe that to anyone, but God damn it, yeah. do I feel like I do. And it's so relevant to dating and being on apps where, you know, you can feel like you're – the whole culture of dating apps, I think, can sometimes feel like you owe it to everyone on there to be so pretty and perfect and have a witty bio too. And uh, there are definitely some gentlemen on those – oh, they're not gentlemen, sorry. There are definitely some assholes on those apps who, you know, do think you owe them like a certain look and that's – uh, I don't even want to go there. But yeah, that's a very powerful quote, Carlin. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, 100%. And, and to the point of those assholes, I'm not defending them, but they've ingested the same lie we have. Yeah. We've internalized <laughs> it and they've externalized it. Like we think it about ourselves and they think it about us. Like we say this all the time. Men are also victims of the patriarchy. Guys, I'm yeah. sorry I talk about the patriarchy so much. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. Why am I apologizing? <laughs> patriarchy. Uh, but like... It's, you know, this image of what we're supposed to look like is it's it's deposited in all of our psyches, men and women. And um, doing doing the work of trying to, like, walk it back that I think our society is really trying to do right now is going to help men and women. One one hopes. I don't have a lot of faith in men. Sorry, men who are listening. (laughs) (laughs) But. Let's talk a little bit about dating and how how these things have affected our our dating lives. Do you guys have some thoughts like times you've, you know, felt um, felt your body image affect yourself as a person who is dating or in a relationship or romantic or crushing or app using? Yes, I every in every all yes to all of those things. I think even just briefly, even when I was like younger, so just like in middle school, high school. So like no apps, but just like crushing on a guy and thinking like, you know, oh, am I pretty enough? And I would be similar to how I am now as an adult. Like I'd be the kind of person to like write a note, like, do you want to go out with me or whatever? And especially when I was in Texas, like most, all the guys I asked would say no. But so there was like a certain layer to it though, like not just my body, but since I'm a black woman, there was like a race part of it. Cause it's like, Oh, is it because I'm black? Oh, is it because I'm fat? Because that's what I thought that I was. And like all of these like different thoughts and emotions. And I still kind of feel that way even on the app. So I think for, for me, there, there's a period where like, I can definitely on the apps, like I'm feeling myself, like I feel like really pretty in my pictures and everything. And like my body looks good enough, but there, there is like a fear for me, like on that first date or like first meeting that I'm like, what if like, I look good in the pictures, but like, if I, you know, quarantine weight, like if, if it's so, if it's too different in person, it'll be like, you know, oh, those 
experiences that some men and women have where somebody like catfishes them and they like have like a completely different body. Like what if they're going to think that about me, even though I, you know, haven't gained like a hundred pounds or anything, but I feel like I could look that different. Um, and I've never had anybody verbalize that, but that's totally, if anything like goes wrong, like a most recent date that I was on with Mr. James, like we had like a really great date. And then the following week I was like, do you have any time to hang out? And he said that he wasn't entirely sure. And he would let me know. He didn't let me know. It's been two weeks and I haven't heard anything from him, but like our uh. last interact act, interaction, we had gotten like pretty physical and it was like the most that he's seen with me like not completely um, undressed, but like partially there. And like in my head, I was like, oh, what if he just like, you know, I magically like took off my sweater and then like my body is completely different than like so different than my pictures that he was just so disgusted and could like, that's literally how I was thinking. And that's such so fucked up. And like, but I have to admit to it. Like I have to cop to it that that was the first fucking thought in my head. And still, if I'm being honest, like I still think that. Like if, like when I woke up this morning, like before I worked out, I was like, God, yeah, I got to get this shit together. Like that's probably what it was, which I feel bad for saying that, but like, I also don't want to, you know, want to lie I'm aggressively it. nodding because that's exactly, I, I literally always the first thought, the first fucking thought, yeah. like not just that, like they don't like the way I look, that they don't like my body, like yeah. my face having nothing to do with it. Yeah. Not that I think yeah. my face is the fuck. Well, whatever. Right. Maybe we'll try not to talk shit about it, but it's like it is the first thing that pops into yeah. my head. And like to the and, point that they would like never want to interact with this body or me, my personality. My personality is not a saving grace. Like, you know, my body yeah. is just so horrible that they would never want to interact with it again. Ever. Oh, God. And it's like outside, not even knowing this person, but. Uh, Carlin, I know that's not true. And I know you know that it's not true. But then inside, it feels true. Yeah. Like even the way I would like look at someone I dated's next girlfriend and just compare my body to hers. And Ugh. it wasn't my face. It was my fucking body. It's so dark. It's like she's skinnier. There are their exes. Skinnier. Yeah. I'm or, the or, only yeah. like yeah. not skinny, not like very skinny person Jeff has ever dated. And I have insecurities about it seven and a half years into our relationship. I bring it up all the time. They go, well, you wish I was skinnier. And he continually is like, shut the fuck up. Like, I mean, not in a mean way, but he's just like, I don't know how to, I don't, he basically regularly is like, I don't know how to convince you that I don't feel that way. Like, I think that like the fact that I want to marry you, you know, he's like, that's, that should be it. But (laughs) that's the thing is, and that's the thing is like, no amount of evidence to the contrary seems to undo those things and that's really sad I regularly think like oh fuck am I just gonna live with this forever this is never gonna go away it's a very very unsettling thought yeah and it's because and I'm gonna say this but I I don't take this you know I don't understand this on a deeper level it's because the relationship is the one we each have with our own bodies and like that's what we have to work on um you know this being the first time I'm in a long-term relationship it's been really interesting that like uh, early on, I felt like, oh, I can let go a little here. I moved to LA, gained a little weight. But when I kind of like press on that to Tony and I'm like, well, I got fat this time. Like two years ago, when I first moved to LA, I gained weight. I was in grad school. I was driving a car, not walking everywhere. Definitely not working out. And um, that's fine to do. But I just obsessed over it to the point where I was bringing it up in conversations. And if I didn't, like I, I left him with nothing. He couldn't say the right thing. Because, like, what's he supposed to fucking say? 
And uh, it's just been really interesting for me to be like, yeah, it's not – when I was dating, I felt, Carlin, just the way you did. If something went wrong, it felt like it usually happened after things got more physical and then I blamed it on my body and then I would like really focus on getting in shape. And it's interesting how I still – blame it on my body or like uh, can't get over, can't fix my relationship with my body, even though it's improved. And it's, it's, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I actually don't know what I think. Uh, I just think it's a long, long journey. So like if you're listening and you're feeling similarly, you know, I don't want to be like, it never changes. I feel that it's slowly getting better. I'm learning to have a healthier relationship, but it's fucking work. That's how I feel. And it's like, ugh, again, I know I've already said this, but it's like it's both validating to have this conversation because we all feel the same way from totally different childhoods and experiences and whatever, but also just so sad because I know it's the very, very vast majority of women who feel this way. And it's like just so devastating to be sitting here with like two of my favorite women in the world being like, oh, my God, all three of us carry so much fucking pain around this and have our whole lives. Womp womp. Yeah. <laughs> womp womp. Should we um, dive into some speaking cues of cool and women? See yeah. If we can think about again, this is where like we're gonna talk about each each question and we're gonna try to like be like the big sisters to ourselves, maybe, <laughs> yeah. and to yeah. uh, all of you, but we're we don't have the answers. Like very clearly we don't. So um okay. I feel like I brought the mood down even further by being like, it's sad. <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> No, I mean, it is sad. Listen, if we didn't acknowledge that it was sad, if we tried to gloss it over, like, we would not be being truthful. And I, it, it's sad. It's just sad. Yeah. I, we, I want to fix it. And I think we can right here on this podcast, but it will get better. Yeah. I think I even, a kind of like uplifting funny thing is that, so obviously Lizzo is amazing and her music makes me feel really great. Like, I was feeling like so bad about my body that I Googled when is Lizzo's next album? Because <laughs> it's like, I had like the other two and I was like, these are getting me through, but I would really love a new one for just like this 2020, 2021 energy. Like, when is it coming out? And I think it's something said like maybe about fall and I was like a little far, but these issues will still be there. So great. Awesome. <laughs> we'll take it. Yep, we'll take it. That's true. I do think any, you know, content or even influencers like who aren't musicians like who are really good in this space really do help me feel empowered like those are the things that are not toxic on my feed like people like Katie Storino or Lizzo like I don't know it just also just the reminder that like life is short and that's not to put pressure on us to just love our bodies all of a sudden but just that like knowing that there's a there's a a way to think differently about my body where I don't care about it so much gives me hope, even if I'm not there yet. Did you guys watch Lizzo's Tiny Desk concert? Mm-mm. Yes. She said something in that that continues to blow my mind Ooh, like a year I later. I watched it because of you. Yeah, yeah. I Liza, may have said, it, again, may it. have said this yeah. on the pod before, <laughs> but at the end of the concert, or maybe not at the end, she at one point was like, do you guys love me? And everyone's cheering, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she was like, okay, great. If you love me, you can love yourself. If you love this body, you can love your body. Or like, I'm paraphrasing, but that was the idea. And it was so powerful to me because I was like, I look at Lizzo and see like this fucking hot bitch, talented, everything. You know, it's like, that's the impression I have of her. And yet I look at my own body and I'm like, gross. 
Right. You know, it's like it just was a powerful sentiment. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's we should whenever we have like body talk, we should just do Lizzo quotes because there was I remember she had a tweet once that was like, um, who out there is going to be able to handle all this pussy? <laughs> I was like, right. Who out there? Nobody can handle it. They're not good enough. But like if I turned around, like if I asked myself that question, I'd be like, nobody wants this. Like, you know, I, it's just interesting that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Praise Lizzo. Send us yeah. Lisa quotes, guys. Yeah. Uh, okay. Kimmy, do you have a question you want to start with? I can also grab one. I'll start on a darker one and then okay. we'll go light. Only yes. because this is a really specific question that was asked by someone who said, you know, Liza and you have mentioned eating disorders in passing, but like would really love to know a little bit more about that for each of you. And we don't have to go into all of it. I think we should have an expert on at some point, clearly. But the question of how do you kind of like, when do you tell a partner about that? If you're in recovery from an eating disorder or if you are currently suffering from disordered eating. Um, yeah. And Liza, no pressure to answer this, but, but no. I think e- even we can broaden the question. I'll speak to the eating disorder part, but you know, for all of us, we can broaden it to just when do you tell a reveal that you're insecure about your body to a partner because there's also this pressure to act confident in our bodies which is like fake it till you make it yeah all good but like when do you get to that level of vulnerability I think yeah I mean it's a great question that I don't have a good answer to um I think the biggest thing is like you have to feel like you've shared other things that are maybe less vulnerable and they've been received with kindness. You know, I think you have to have a couple proven experiences of being made to feel like safe and seen and not judged. Um, I know that I've like shared stuff about my history of disordered eating with people and it's been like, I don't think anyone handled it badly, but it makes people uncomfortable and I've had people make jokes again like it hasn't that sounds vicious and it wasn't intended that way it's the same way some people don't know how to talk about grief or um you know any of any number of things that are really hard to talk about uh and I think that was like a tough lesson to learn that you just you have to be careful who you share the parts of yourself that that are very very tender with and by tender I mean like like uh, the underbelly of a, I don't know, but you know, <laughs> vulnerable. Um, but it's, so yeah, I would say like, you know, you, you should work up in terms of vulnerability and only share these things that, you know, y- you could have the potential to be really hurt by someone's response when they've shown you more than once that they're able to handle a tougher conversation or some of the things about you that you don't think are as, um, lovable you're you're wrong (laughs) you know everything about you is lovable um but I think that's like a really important thing to have a pattern of established like trust yeah Liza you're one of the first people I ever told I like I can't even say it out loud because I'm like I didn't go to a hospital I wasn't that sick like that I was bulimic like but it's like I just thought I was throwing up food sometimes. It's so fucking dark. Like I didn't admit it until I admitted it in therapy. And like you and I had a conversation about it. And I had told none of my college friends like and it started when I was in college because my roommate was like puking in college. Um, It didn't start like when I was dancing or anything like that. Uh, God, I still feel like embarrassed by it. And also like I don't have a right to talk about it because I wasn't it wasn't as severe as it could have been. But like, uh, 
I will tell you how to not share it with a partner. I think the first time I did share it in my current relationship, I kind of just tossed it out there as like, well, it's hard for like I had like, you know, I just threw it out there in some weird way in a conversation, kind of like a I've had it hard card. Um, Women's bodies are subject to all this criticism. Uh, So that was not cool. I think in terms of like when to share it, it's got to feel I don't, don't put any pressure on yourself to share it early. Like, and if you're in a place where you think like to date you, you need to know that maybe like take a step back. I, this is where I'm, I'm unqualified, but I will say do not like rush to sharing it just because like you feel like this person should know everything about you. Like I think it needs to be at a moment where, uh, yeah, there's some, some mutual sharing going on maybe, or it, it, you feel a lot of trust. Pressure yourself. Yeah, to share I anything. think I probably shared that over a year into my relationship, maybe longer. I just was yeah. like, I don't want you to know this. And then at a certain point, I was like, Oh, I do want you to know this about me. And I can't pinpoint what that moment was, but it was a moment of being like, Oh, I know for sure that I'm not going to be judged. I'm not going to be, you know, written off, and I'm not going to be called a drama queen or I don't know things that haven't happened. But I have gotten responses that are not, you know don't feel good so yeah I think like it's the idea of not putting pressure on yourself to share is really really a a very important one should we do another question it's so weird to feel so like I I feel like it's I'm gonna keep uh, clearly I have an issue with letting things be serious (laughs) and not letting things be funny but how about this? This was on IG. So oh, IG, I didn't say Instagram. <laughs> so, so young. Um, okay. Would you – so someone asked about like would you actually prefer maybe like a dating app without pics so that it's less about looks, um, more like love is blind style? Like would you I, – I thought this was just really interesting to consider. Like would you in an ideal world actually prefer that dating apps didn't have pictures involved? I have a strong opinion, but I'd love to hear both of yours. I think I would, I still want pictures. I mean, I know there's a part of it that is like judging it by like society standards, but then there's also like beyond that, just like attraction and not because of what society tells me. Like I've talked about it before. I love yeah. mustaches and society is not telling me to love them because society is like, ew, <laughs> mustaches. Like, you know, that's my own unique thing. Like- um, <laughs> no, 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 um, like Tom Selleck. Anyways, we could get Tom into Selleck. it. Tom Selleck. There we go. Um, I snuck a really creepy picture of a musician was... in a band I was seeing the other night and sent it to Carlin who had the most, he was, he was hot, but he had he the most hot. fucking prodigious yeah. stash. And his, I think his girlfriend was near me in the thing. Oh, and I was like zooming. I was like creepily zooming in and trying to get this picture for Carlin. <laughs> Speaking of mustaches. Um, anyway. Continue. I was going to say that, so that Austin musician with the mustache, but I was like, nobody's going to get that. Um, <laughs> post, oh my gosh, can we put it on the on the Instagram? Like, well, if he has a girlfriend. Oh, that would be the most best misconnection, but it's not a yes. misconnection because I wasn't yes. there. And you, he probably has a girlfriend. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's a misconnection for 2021. Right, yeah. it's, so, it's a modern it's so day good. Anyway, so like, I feel like I, I get like, the the question and like how that would be interesting but then like are we saying that we're not using pictures because like is this in a completely like a hypothetical society where we don't like we all went to the quaker camp 
and like <laughs> and everybody like men went to and so that like they are able to write about themselves like more efficiently and like more descriptively so like i'm actually able to like base it on something like if we're using if it's like no pictures but men are still writing like oh i really love tacos like no like because i would it would just be a no they just don't know how to write about themselves sometimes like so so my answer is no <laughs> yeah i mean Liza, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's so tricky because, like, attraction is really important, right? Like, it's it's incredibly important. And, you know, so much of that, like, can't be conveyed in pictures. But it is, like, a first step towards that. You know, so many times you, I only realize I'm attracted to someone in person with them because I'm like, oh, I like the way you smell and it's weird. But, like, we're animals and so that's a thing, <laughs> you know? But it's it's hard because on the one hand, pictures don't convey attraction, but they are like the closest thing on a dating app. It's not like, you know, you can have like a, a 18th century portrait of somebody or like a, a, I don't know, like a 3D scan. Or, I don't know. That's even creepier. Like it's it almost feels like the the kind of, um, you know, the best. Uh, what do people say about democracy? It's the it's the um, worst form of government, except for all the other forms. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that way about pictures on dating apps. It's like it's like the, not a great way to convey attraction, but we don't have any other like first kind of gatekeeper. And you know, these apps are doing more than pictures. I strongly feel this would be a terrible idea. Almost, and I'm going to try to make this kind of analogy. It's not going to work. I already feel it. But the way like taking away, someone calls you, oh, you look so skinny one time. And then they don't say that the next year when they see you. Taking away the pictures uh, and somehow like to me like exacerbates it. Because then when you actually wind up on the date, it's like this bigger moment of confronting. I do think we're animals I that are attracted and again, there's no smell on dating apps. That That's in 50 years. They'll do that. But Crazy. there's something to being able to see the person you're going on a date with. And I think I am attracted to this person. You know, that said, uh, it's hard that sometimes on certain apps, it feels like it's just about what you look like. So I don't want to diminish that. But I think it's – no, I don't think we should have a love is blind app. I think we all just need to. I think the problem with – to your earlier point, Carlin, is like, yeah, it's it's not a hypothetical world. It's real world. And we the problem is not just like that we're attracted to other people by what they look like. It's that that attraction is seen through the societal lens that hasn't been imprinted on all of us. Like, of course, you're like certain like cr- colors are attractive to me. I don't know, like not in a sexual way, but um, <laughs> attraction looks and attraction are, are very normal. That's not going to go away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, here's the next another question. Um, I, I'm reading this one because it hits for me. I, I haven't been on dating apps, but part of the reason I haven't been on dating apps is because of this fear. So here's the question. I'm always worried that full body pictures are too flattering or don't show how curvy I am. Should I write something about being curvy or slash plus size in my bio? All photos are newish. I remember this question. I this one was really interesting because uh back when I was on OKCupid you could like categorize your body and I think curvy was an option and like average, like more to love skinny. Like, I think I don't know what it is now. So like, mm-hmm. you know, don't quote me on that, but it was something like that. And I remember like always um, 
like struggling with that because you know like what does curvy like I am curvy because like I I would define that as like because I have like big boobs and like a small waist under my boobs but you don't see that because my boobs are so big so then it kind of just gets lost but anyway <laughs> in terms of the specifics um but, but like do you know what I mean like it's I I I always struggled with that on OkCupid and then every other app I don't think has like an option for that, like, like to categorize your body. And so for the pictures, it was, it's, it's interesting because like we're talking about before, like, you know, thinking about like other, like the people that we're dating, like who they will date after us or who they've dated before. Like you will not see me in a bikini. I have not worn a bikini since the scoliosis test day. Um, I don't even like, I feel so weird about my body that I don't wear short. I mean, I'm wearing shorts right now, like in the privacy of my own home, but I do not wear them outside. Like I wear pants even like in the summer. Um, so I think it's so full body pictures for me, like it's like one of those things that you have to do. And so I know that I have to provide it to show that I'm not this offensive thing, even though I could be offensive later, even in my honesty in an app. But I try not to like show cleavage because then that gets a certain kind of response. I also feel like a guy will immediately like if you I think at a point. Oh, sorry, I'm like, uh blabbering um i think at a point when you have big boobs like cleavage and like showing them off is just like they're just existing that way i'm not doing it on purpose like that's just that's just how they are i remember once somebody was like you know oh, you're showing so much cleavage and i was like that is not even cleavage for me that's just like a modest sunday at church <laughs> like you know <laughs> i just think i think there are moments where like i wish i was like our Lord and Savior, Tasha Adams, and had like that body. But I could oh never God. post like a picture like that because I think for me, it just gets like super sexual. And I'm sure it does like in her comments as well. But, you know, I think there's, it's like a catch 22, right? Like you want to show your body, but then if you're like super honest, you're just going to get like pervy people and like unwanted dick pics. But if you don't show enough and it's like, you know, oh, well, what do you look like? Like, you feel like if you're not getting matches, it's because like, oh, I don't have good full body pictures. So I think it's hard. I usually, they're covered enough, but since like you can still see them there, but like I don't show a lot of skin in my full body pictures because it's just, um, I, I just like the, the skeeviness that really makes me uncomfortable on apps. Yeah, it's really, really tricky. I mean, I've literally, like, I remember when I was, uh, there, the window that I was single and apps were a thing, I remember, like, looking for pictures of myself and just being like, I can't be on apps because I don't have any, like, I don't like the way my body looks. It's funny because it was actually, like, I was amongst the smallest I've ever been, um, which is just goes to, I say that just to prove that, like, the truth of what my body looks like has never affected my it's it's ever helped you know i've done insane diets and been very unhealthy and lost weight and it didn't make these feelings go anywhere it it, it was potentially even worse because i was thinking so much about my size and people were commenting on it so much like kimmy mm -hmm. kimmy mentioned but I remember just looking for photos and being like, well, I can't be on an app because I can't show my body to anyone and open it up to criticism. Mm -hmm. And I think that like in hindsight, what I wish I could tell myself is like, 
I don't actually think that happens. I think people swipe right on you who don't, um, who don't, you know, want to go on a date with you. Or sorry, swipe left on you. I know how things work. I promise. But I, um, I don't think you need to write about your body in your bio. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think that like you have photos of yourself. I hope that you feel beautiful in those photos. I wish like I had. I had the ability to feel beautiful at that time. Um, if someone shows up and, you know, they feel like there's a small difference in what they're seeing from the photos and they're going to make a call on you as a human based on that, then they're not the right person for you. No. They're not a good person. Uh, but I know that doesn't, from firsthand experience, that doesn't cover, that doesn't help with the, like, pain and fear around it. But... um I do think like you don't need to be writing about your body and your bio because I don't think you need to be explaining it to anyone. Agreed. And I think, you know, that there are certain body types that don't feel the need to explain it to anyone again because of society. So as hard as it is and as much of a gap as there is, um, you know, those 5% of women, let's say from the statistics, you don't have to share that either. You have full body pictures and you're worried about them being too flattering. Everyone puts extra flattering photos on dating apps, including a lot of the men you or women, whoever you date that you've, you've gone on dates with. So I would say, I know it's so painful, but Liza said it best. It's one of those, oh gosh. Um, it's so vulnerable. Dating is so vulnerable and so painful. So if you get on a date and someone's, you know, being critical or, you know, you don't, I don't need that. No, you did a great job. I know your profile is beautiful and the other losers can suck it who don't like think that you look the same in real life because honestly, they don't look the same in real life either. Let's just be real here. That's Nobody looks the same. So true. I oh don't, yes, come on. Like <laughs> right. to our earlier conversation, you can now put videos of yourself that like make you skinnier. You can facetune videos. Like it's a wild thing. People are trying to get, Carlin, to your earlier point, plastic surgery, I read some quote about plastic surgeons being like, we can't make you look like that. We'd have to like move your bones yeah. to make you look like that. And, and people do that. They get like ribs removed. Like it's, yep. it's crazy out there. But anyway, yes, we, you don't need to put that in your bio. And as hard as it is, like just know that it's not about you. And I, I know from the way you worded that question, your profile is showing you in the exact way that it should yeah i thought this watching the circle when i was like and so many of those people are like stupid reality tv hot where it's like oh but like two or three photos of them you cannot triangulate that into an understanding of what someone looks like mm -hmm. no you, can't. you just can't that's a good point you know um do we want to do one more or should we move on to like you know, I feel like we'll end with maybe we can each say like one thing we're we're working on internally. Could or we not. rapid fire some of the other ones? Like really rapid. Sure. Like, yes. Okay. We'll each maybe maybe we'll each answer like one question rather yeah. than us all weighing in on one. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll throw it out there. Can you talk about feeling not worthy of someone because of being overweight? Yes, I feel that all the time. And not because they have like specified that in their profile, but 
uh, because society tells me that skinny people are what we should all want and skinny people are the most fun. They travel the most, like all the things that guys want on a profile, they want to do it with a skinny person. And like, I am not that. So I often do feel unworthy. Um, But then I... I'm also like really fucking beautiful. So if that's just like not their cup of tea and these perfect oversized tits aren't there, their cup of tea, <laughs> then like they can keep it moving. Yeah. And you are fucking worthy. Everyone is, Everyone worthy, is worthy except for our previous president. <laughs> Actually, okay. Let's see. All yeah, right. A- You're worthy. You're <laughs> worthy. <laughs> uh, and even he might be worthy of something. Okay. Let's do another one. Liza. You want to go for one? Shout one out? Sure. Um, Overcoming insecurities in intimate situations and poor body image equaling low sex drive. These are two different questions, but I'm going to combine them because I think they kind of go hand in hand. Yep. First thought, low sex drive, poor body image, completely have been there. It's a very difficult fucking thing. And it's my reminder to myself and to you is that it's all about your relationship with you. So if that's like you know, going to therapy, if that's just like changing the way you talk to yourself when you're getting dressed or changing the way you talk about your body or don't talk about your body to your partner, um, get yourself feeling sexy. Like that's not perfect advice because I'm navigating that, but it's all about, it's not about the partner or whoever you're seeing or not seeing. It's about you and your relationship to yourself. So get out that vibrator, go for it. Like take some sexy pictures. You got it. And overcoming insecurities in intimate situations. Rule number one, I love the lights off for the beginning. Fuck it. I know that's probably not the right advice to be giving, but also just, you know, making sure you end up in intimate situations with people. You've gone on enough dates where you trust them. We're like, this is a good person. They're not going to become a giant jerk when we, we get into the body stuff. It's hard though. Like yeah. you never know. So I would say, again, it's it's about your relationship to your body. So whatever you can do to feel sexy so that like in that intimate situation, you've already like had practice feeling into yourself. Wow. That, that was terrible And also advice. like I know I just said like I, I, I wasn't going to weigh on on every single thing, <laughs> but I'm, it's hard for me not to talk. Uh, <laughs> I feel like something I like to think about is like when you're in an intimate situation with someone like they're attracted to you. Like mm-hmm. this is very heteronormative, but it's like hey if they have a boner for you it's because of like your body like you are like causing this in them you are like creating a physical reaction in their body that like makes them want to touch your body sorry to be filthy I feel like I'm a phone sex operator right now exactly and then but it's like sometimes like when I'm insecure about myself I'm like oh like my physical self is giving their physical self a reaction that is like pleasurable for both of us and like it's a very simple way of viewing it and I know it's easier said than done but like sometimes when I was insecure I'd be like this is about me and my body and like that is something I even still sometimes come back to when I'm like my stomach looks you know whatever is like if if he if they if he didn't like it (laughs) this wouldn't be happening you know between us and there's a lot of misinformation out there or men projecting that they only like certain bodies that we're taught we're supposed to look like and that's not true yeah they like some more curves yes okay just had to add that (laughs) okay i'm gonna throw one last one out oh i think this is a good one thoughts on the first comment from a guy on an app being about physical appearances even if it's a nice slash respectful comment they always give me the ick factor i agree it's also icky ick ick Ick, ick list. 
Bye bye. Yeah. yeah. I, I think ick too. I mean, like if there's nothing else, like if your profile is, if your profile is blank, even then, like he's not creative enough. Like, uh, ick. Yeah. 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 Nah, ick. If they, ick. if they say something fun about your shirt and like, not like, oh, that shirt's tight, but like, right. uh, I also like um, Aerosmith. I don't know. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Whatever. Know. <laughs> I, don't know why. I saw someone in an Aerosmith shirt at a coffee shop today, and I was like, oh, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> that's. I too love Steven Tyler. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, of course, there's like, there's some exceptions, but yeah, I think in general, no body talk in the first many, many app messages or at all. You know, even 10 messages in, I don't really want someone to be like, by the way, you're beautiful. Like, I know. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, no. (laughs) Great. Like, thank you. I think you're (laughs) You're great. (laughs) Um, Guys, I want to end with like, I'm hoping this is a positive note, if not just like a a helpful note. But um, I wanted to ask you guys if there's anything you're currently doing or have done in the past that has helped these feelings, that has made you feel more grounded in your body more um more positive about your body or more you know whatever it is things that have try alleviated some of this like pain we've been talking about for this for the last you know hour and change I guess I try to relieve the pressure of because I'm always thinking about like oh I need to lose this weight oh I need to lose this weight so one coping mechanism is to say like if I stayed this number that's on the scale for the rest of my life would I be okay I would be fine. Like I could do that. Like if I couldn't find like the motivation or the time or whatever to like lose this weight and like stop having that conversation with myself, like I could live my life like this for the forever because, and now getting to the point that like, I have like a healthy relationship with some foods, not cookies (laughs) um, and a better, just like moving my body more. So like I could maintain this and be all right with that. And then like translating that, to dating like my new so after that recent experience like of dating or being on the date with that guy and then feeling like he stopped talking to me because of my body now when I'm on the app I like redid my profile and I feel like 110% good about my photos and like the things that I wrote and I'm not checking it every day and I just I don't need like 100 likes I don't need 100 like actual dates like I just need one that works out and I'm going to try to like let go of the pressure of thinking like, oh, mm-hmm. well, girls like because I hear that all the time. It's like, oh, I get like 20 likes in a day. Like, that's not me, honey. Like, that's never me. It's, it's not going to be me. But I also don't need it to be me. And I don't need like all of that attention. Like I'm like my intention is to find someone that wants to be with me all the time. And I don't need like 100 people to do that. And so the only way that I can like make that healthy balance is to kind of like let it go and not put the pressure on myself and just do kind of like slowly ease into making healthier decisions and like whatever happens happens like if I'm good with myself like shit that's all I can do right like that's all I can like count on at the end of the day if I'm like okay with my decisions and okay with my feelings which is like a daily struggle when I factor in my mother's feelings about my body but like even that is part of the process so yeah totally yeah I love that Um, Kimmy yeah I think what I do and I was just racking my brain in in the spirit of you know vulnerability because I'm like oh I do I still do a lot of unhealthy things the things that like 
this is very sad that I'm, I'm starting to try to do is um, treat my body and like mind better. And that does not mean dieting. For me, that's been like being okay. And it sounds so embarrassing, but like having a toast. Yes, like a fucking millennial and avocado toast for lunch. Somehow it used to be like, no, have a salad or that is, it's all so sad, but like it actually makes me feel good. It's it's like a challenge in a little bit of a way to like it's so again really embarrassing my relationship to bread that's an insane thing on the weekends it's fine but on the weekdays there's something off so doing little things that are not dieting because those are not actually being good to my body but like move like going for a walk or doing a little yoga not the kind that's getting me in any kind of shape but to like feel like I did some things and the other thing is really to try to zoom out kind of similar to what Carlin said and think, all right, I gained this weight, you know, going to grad school and I had a lot of fun and these experiences and do I really think like the person I'm with or even like the person I'm with, I'm with doesn't care that I've gained a couple pounds. Why do I care so much about it? Like what is it? Why, why can't I just not really care about it? And like really challenge myself to say, I'm okay with this for now. It's it's not really tangible, but those are like the little – I'm basically – I think I'm in different ways challenging myself to like change my relationship to thinking about those five pounds I really want to lose to to just being like, well, what if I'm just a different weight now because I'm not fucking 21 anymore? Yeah. Uh, thinking about foods that I used to avoid and be like, well, what if I just want that now, you know, because I can. <laughs> it's a fucking piece of bread. But it's baby steps, I – I apologize. Yeah. I don't have more wisdom. I mean, we said we said this from the beginning. It's really, really hard to undo this programming. It's hard to like unplug the wires. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're they're hardwired. Um, I want to like. I- I've been trying to. I feel like the the body positivity movement has been a little bit hard for me. I have a hard time. Um looking in the mirror and being like, I'm a hot bitch. Like I've mm-hmm. never taken a sexy photo of myself. I've tried and I, I find them like horrifying. And it's like, a, it's like a, I just can't do it. I, I don't like the way my body looks enough. And I've, I've almost struggled in the last couple of years as more people are coming out as really body positive to be like, well, why don't I feel that way? Why am I not more like Katie Storino? Mm-hmm. Um, and Something that I stumbled on kind of recently is the idea of body neutrality. And it talks about the idea that like body positivity is actually also putting an expectation on your body in mm-hmm. a good way, way better than than <laughs> what we were taught. And there is I'm not shading body positivity. If you can if it's like working and you're feeling more positive about your body, fuck yeah, we need these role models. We like everyone should feel good about themselves. But I feel like body the idea of body neutrality is basically that your body is neither good or bad it's just a body and its purpose is to bring you through life and accomplish the things you want to accomplish and it has helped me to think about my health in an actual way that's about my health not a way that like I'm pretending it's health but it's weight it's it's made me feel like what do I actually want to eat and drink do I like I I love yoga but sometimes I have gotten into things like I have to go five times a week because then my body's gonna look great and now when I do yoga, which is the only form of exercise I have ever liked, it feels like I am taking care of my vessel 
that I need so I can go to museums and listen to music and watch movies and write and like have sex with my partner and and like dance in the rain. I don't actually do that. But you know what I mean? Like all of the things that give me happiness in life, I need my body to do. And yeah. it's the idea that that's what your body's for. So it doesn't really matter like the exact shape or size and it's going to change and it's going to be different. But if you can maintain it in a way that it can do the things that brings you joy and pleasure, then that's its purpose. And it's just helping me think about things really differently. And it's not perfect. I still feel a lot of the negative feelings. But when I feel those things, I try to just be like, your body's just a vessel for your soul to do cool shit that you want to do. And I'm trying to like bring my mind back there, especially when it's hard for me to be like, yeah, bitch, slay queen, you know, like, which is not so natural for me. It's such a good point. Like, I won't, uh, the dark note to end on, but watching like my mom's body turn on her with breast cancer, like somehow for me that I don't like, I'm not good at practicing gratitude. I kind of scoff at it, even though I believe in it totally. But being grateful for your body, like, we need more propaganda telling us to be just really grateful when our bodies are healthy and working right mm. and to like to focus on that rather than what they look like on the exterior. Somehow that actually that does something in my brain to make me think about it differently. Yeah. yeah, I would encourage anyone to just just type body neutrality into Google and just like read a couple people's experiences with it. Someone like I, I heard about it somewhere and I just Googled it and just, you know, people some from people. I think I, there's an article in Refinery29 about just like personal essays about it um and it's it was it was a refreshing and shockingly novel idea to me that my body's just like a a cluster of cells to for me to live my my dank life in yeah (laughs) yeah we don't all have to look like dua lipa we can just love her music and body (laughs) oh Guys, Guys, this has been very, very powerful. I hope that everybody listening, um, I don't know, got something out of it. I love you guys. I hope you don't feel worse. Love you guys. And <laughs> yeah, I know. Helen, thank you for coming on always, but like being so vulnerable. Liza, thank you as well. Um, thank you, thank Kimmy. you, Kimmy, as well. Thank you. <laughs> Are we a fucking wellness podcast? Jesus. Oh my God. Uh, no. We did it. We did it. Um, but I am very grateful to you both. So thank you very much. And grateful to all of you listening. I echo Liza, and I hope it um, helped in some tiny way. And go on a date. <laughs> this feels so weird. Google to add that body way. neutrality. How about that? Okay, we love you. We Bye-bye. love you. Bye. Bye.